This is Fresh Air. I'm Terry Gross. You're in for a treat. We're going to hear from the radio artist Joe Frank and listen to some of his work. He just won this year's Lifetime Achievement Award from the Third Coast International Audio Festival held last week in Chicago. In presenting the award, radio producer Larry Josephson said, quote, Joe's work has often been described in the press as dark, funny, and disturbing, all true. He's also brilliant, difficult, and absolutely original. There is no one like him, thank God. He's courageous, even at times reckless. No subject, sexual or political, is taboo, unquote. Joe Frank started working in radio in 1977. His work has been nationally broadcast on several programs as well as on his own shows. His stories range from autobiography to fantasy to stories based on other people's lives and fantasies. Here's an excerpt of Joe Frank's piece, No More, My Lord, which was played at the Third Coast Awards ceremony. I'm sitting at a dinner party attended by Paul Pott, Hitler, Stalin, and Mao. Seated at another smaller table are Saddam Hussein, Slobodan Milosevic, Pinochet, and some others that I don't recognize. And then there's a third table, sort of a children's table. It has shorter legs and smaller children's chairs. And sitting there are Richard Speck, Gary Gilmore, Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, and Charlie Manson. And they're all wearing party hats. They're not very much respected by the heavyweights. They were small time. They didn't get much done. They were pikers. And Paul Pot is talking about his tailor. He says he has the, the best tailor this side of Hong Kong. And he's debating with Hitler about whether pleated pants with a cuff brings out the stylishness of the wearer. Then the conversation veers off to wedding floral arrangements. Mao feels that a simple arrangement of bear grass and peonies suits the occasion. Whereas Hitler feels that lilies of the valley and acacia leaves mixed with cowrie shells, paper mache and a cloisonne snuff bottle is elegant, exquisite, and understated. On the other hand, Paul Pot argues that American beauty long-stemmed roses with baby's breath is the most perfect expression of nuptial bliss. Then we all get into a discussion concerning the selection of paint colors for the, the renovation of the kitchen. Hitler is partial to Bavarian cream and Stalin interrupts and he says he'd like to have a Dacha effect with a checkered tablecloth, louvered shutters, gingham curtains, and then Paul Pot suggests little flower boxes for the windowsills, zinnias and daisies he thinks would be very cheerful. And then we talk about books. Hitler's favorite is Goodnight Moon. When the child comes home and says goodnight to everything in the room, goodnight door, goodnight ceiling, goodnight mother, goodnight father, and a tear comes to Hitler's eye, his lip quivers. That was an excerpt of Joe Frank's piece, No More, My Lord, 
When I spoke with Joe Frank in 1990, we started with this excerpt of his series Rent a Family. In this scene, Eleanor is calling her ex-husband Arthur, who has remarried. This is one of several desperate calls. Arthur has begged her to stop calling. Speak to Arthur, please. Eleanor. Eleanor, this has got to stop. I mean, I, this can't go on. Surely you're aware of that. May I speak to Arthur, please? Eleanor. Listen, I understand what you are going through, but what you've got to know is that it's not working. None of what you are doing is working. May I speak to Arthur, please? Okay. Arthur! What is it? Arthur, I've been thinking. Yeah, what? I... I would like to come and and visit with you and, and Kathy for a while. Now, now, hear me out. I won't be any trouble. I can do all the things that I'm sure Kathy has no time to do because she has her job, and I, I can cook cook nice nice things for you both, and, and I can clean the house, and I can do the gardening, and, and, and I can take care of all of the little things that you don't have time to do or that you don't like to do you know Arthur those things and um and I'll stay I'll stay out of your way I won't say a word if I'm not I'll be sort of a housekeeper a silent housekeeper see see the thing is that I I need I need of I need a family Arthur I could clean the house. I could keep the garden beautiful. And your life would be so much easier. Don't you understand? It would be... What you're suggesting is bizarre. Why? It is absurd. It could work. It could. It could. An excerpt of Rent a Family, written and directed by my guest, Joe Frank. Joe Frank, what's really eerie about that tape is how real it sounds. I'm, I'm usually not a really big, real big fan of radio drama because there's something about it that sounds very phony and actorly a lot of the time. And these sound like real phone conversations, real scary ones. 
Well, I uh, I agree with you entirely about uh, radio drama, and uh, I've never been able to listen to radio drama and uh, and believe in the credibility of the performances, and uh, I'm always distanced from it, and it it does seem artificial to me, and so the approach that I've taken in all the dramas that I've uh, created is that, in fact, they're not written. Uh, it's not accurate to say it was written by Joe Frank because these are improvisations uh, performed by actors which are very carefully directed. And what this involves is a great deal of editing because you do a lot of, you create a lot of tape, you create, create a lot of, uh, you, d you do the telephone calls over and over again and then I edit them uh, in such a way that, uh, that I hope um, creates a credible performance. Well, sometimes you do tell your own story, and I want to play an excerpt of a show in which you did that. At least I assume it was your story. And the show, is, the show is called No Show. And uh, you want to explain what the show is about? Well, No Show uh, came out of an experience uh, in which I, was, I came into the radio station unprepared to do a radio show. Uh, I had had a horrendous week. Uh, everything seemed to have gone wrong that week. I'd had no chance to write or to work on creating a radio program, and so I decided, since I had to go on the air and uh, there was no way of avoiding it, that I would simply explain to my listening audience why I had no show <laughs> prepared. And one of the many reasons why you had no show, in addition to having been out with a friend till four in the morning, having a sick cat, having a lonely friend come over <laughs> in spite of your asking her not to, you were invited to a dinner party and you had to go. And uh, this is the part of your program, No Show, in which you talked about that dinner party, which prevented you from producing your program that week. I was compulsively eating the crackers and the cheeses and drinking wine, uh, wishing that I could wake up from this dream, be back alone in my hotel room. But I was also thinking, this is good for you. This is good for you. Get out, meet people. You could learn something. This will be nourishing. Maybe you can get some good material out of it. But, you know, it's hard to be a gatherer of material when you find yourself periodically tuning out to what's going on, when you lose track of the conversation, when you suddenly find yourself on Dream Street. You don't have the faintest notion of what anybody is saying, of what's being discussed. You're thousands of miles away. It's like the other people there are on television. They're characters in a sitcom with the volume turned off. And you can see them gesturing and talking and laughing, but you can't hear anything. And you're thinking of nothing. Your mind is in brownout. And yet I was painfully aware of the fact that, to some extent, I was on trial. The party was being given, I was told, to my chagrin, in my honor. And everyone else here, uh, I, I figured, was, were members of the jury. You know, they were all being very nice and they were being pleasant. But I knew that at the end of the evening, when they were walking and driving home with their friends, with their lovers, with their wives, they would discuss how the evening went. And my name eventually would come up at some point, And they'd say something like, he seems so, so intelligent, so outgoing on the air. But really, he's rather disappointing, don't you think? George was so much funnier. George was so much cleverer. He was so much faster on his feet than Joe Frank was. I mean... Did the man say one arresting thing all evening? No, he just sat there listening, laughing at what other people said, trying to avoid the limelight for all he was worth. He's obviously typical of so many performers, shy, neurotically withdrawn. My guest is Joe Frank. You know, a lot of your more personal shows deal with 
with fears and insecurities, ones that, you know, we can all relate to. Um, but, but I wonder if when you take your own insecurities and put them in a kind of persona and make them into an hour radio program, if, um, if they're easier to deal with than they are, say, when you're lying awake alone in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. They, as a matter of fact, uh, by, by using those experiences for radio programs, you, you transcend them. Uh, you almost look for bad experiences or painful experiences. Uh, whatever tragedies might befall you, you can always right away think, well, that would make a great story <laughs> for radio, so that it was, it was easier to, uh, to experience uh, whatever suffering that came my way. I want to play another excerpt from one of your shows, and this is from a program that you did called Let Me Not Dream. And for this show, you called a lot of your ex-lovers, and uh, ex explain what, what this was about. Well, it just occurred to me uh, that uh, it might be amusing and entertaining, and I, I just am constantly driven by the desire to, to do something that has never been done before on the radio or to, uh, to surprise and astonish and amaze my listeners or, or uh, uh, just to kind of press the limits uh, as far as I can carry them or press them. And one thing that had occurred to me was to call up uh, all my former lovers and girlfriends. And uh, it was 11 o'clock in Los Angeles, and all they were all living on the East Coast because that's where I was originally from. So they were, it was late at night in New York and Washington, D.C., which uh, was where they all lived. And I called one after another, after another, after another, and woke up most of them up and uh, just told them that I was calling them live on the air and engaged them in conversation. And at the end of each conversation, I sang the song, I Remember You. Let's hear an excerpt of this program. Hello, uh, Amy? Joe? Yeah. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? I'm fast asleep. Well, I, I guess I, um... What time is it? Uh, your time, it's probably, uh, 2.30 now. Do you know what I'm doing? You just finished your show? No, my show is still on. Oh. Do you know what that means? Am I on the air? That's right, you're on the air now. That's all right. I just want to sing you a song. You do? Yeah. You can sing with me if you want to. Uh-oh. You ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. I remember you. You're the one who made my dreams come true. A few kisses ago You can sing along if you want to I remember you You're the one who said I love you too I do Didn't you know I remember too what distant bells I remember too what distant bells And stars that fell And stars that fell like rain out of the blue, like rain out of the blue. 
when my life is through and the angels ask me to recall the thrill of them all then i shall tell them i remember you I'm going to go away now. Was that just for me? That was just for you. Oh, that's sweet. Good night. Good night, Joe. Well, Joe Frank, I, I think that was really funny and really cruel. <laughs> I think it's one of the weirdest pieces of tape I've, I've heard. Don't you, don't you think it's a little cruel calling up? All, wait, let me just run through the ways. <laughs> calling up old girlfriends, waking them up because it's 2.30 their time, singing a song they don't know and asking them to sing along, and then telling them, Leading them to believe that they're the only one that you, you've called to sing, I remember you, too. <laughs> I, um, I, I feel guilty about that program. Um, on that, <laughs> you know, in, I must say that she was the only one who asked me, did, did you just do this for me? So I only had to lie once. Um, uh, and the, it's true, it, it was, uh, th there, there was cruelty in, in doing that, and uh, I, I sometimes que question myself about that particular program. In fact, uh, Let Me Not Dream, uh, I didn't repeat it. Uh, I could have repeated it recently on uh, KCRW uh, at a certain point, when, uh, and I didn't want to do it because I feel uncomfortable with that show. However, on the other hand, it's a program that generated tremendous listener response. Uh, People loved it, and uh, I got lots of letters and uh, phone calls and people who wanted cassette copies of the show because they thought it was so amusing and uh, and entertaining and uh, and uh, original. Um, so you're you're kind of torn between be, between doing things that uh, that may not be very nice sometimes, but make really extraordinary radio. Joe Frank recorded in 1990. He just won the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Third Coast International Audio Festival. You can hear his work on his website, joefrank.com. This is Fresh Air.